LSU. Boom! All night long. Yes. Let's go! The transfer portal is absolutely lit. We're going to chat about so many different players tonight. I'm looking at each and every one of you. You will not believe the excitement that went through my soul earlier today. When Xavion Thomas, the guy I've been telling you for years, one of the highest graded Louisiana prospects I have ever graded. He's played two seasons at Mississippi State. He enters his name in the transfer portal just a few hours before this live stream started. So that lets you know how excited I am about him, Jordan Gilbert, uh, Trevor Etienne, whose title, his name is in the title of this video. Obviously, Will Shepard. So excited about all of that. But the truth here is individual players do not matter as much as what Brian Kelly is going to need to do with this coaching staff. And what I want to do is start things off with what he said earlier today in his press conference about changes that need to be made. And I want you to listen really closely. This process. Uh, Coach, you're still in the process of evaluating your assistant coaches in terms of who yes. be retained and if there are any changes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And look, nine and three, um, you know, we're here to win championships. And, and so um, our, our defense uh, did not play to the level that our standard is set at. Look, nobody is happy, uh, including everybody on the defensive side and the head football coach, that that we didn't play the kind of defense necessary. I'm not happy about it. Nobody's happy about it. Our fans shouldn't be happy about it. Um and, and we have to do things to make sure that that doesn't happen again. But to say that we're just addressing it now is, um, is just not correct. We started addressing it after the Mississippi State game, uh, the Mississippi game. That's when addressing our defensive shortcomings uh, began. Um, and, and, and so this process has been ongoing. You know, it's not like all of a sudden, hey, by the way, you got to fix the defense. Uh, this has been ongoing. And this process has been um, one where – we feel uh, the pain of everybody because we feel it too. Um, and and it's, it cannot be uh, the kind of defensive performance we had this past year. It, it's got to be better, and it will be better. Can you just share a little bit in terms of it, it, it's a blend of coaching and personnel or both need to be improved? Or, or what oh, do you think I don't think that, uh, that I've ever – look, here's what I can tell you. I was three games into a season in 2016 in Notre Dame. I had to fire my defensive coordinator, and, and he was in my wedding. Um, those aren't easy decisions, okay? Um, I'm not afraid to make those decisions. And, and I'm going to do what's best for LSU's football program and the pursuit of a national championship. But I'm going to do it informed. I'm going to do it for what's best for the program because it's involving players. It's involving coaches. It's involving all things as it relates to um, being more successful uh, as a defense. So um, it's not on one person. It's, it's collectively. And so if it was that easy um, – you know, we would have been um, in a different place. Like I said, I, I went three games into a season and, and made a change in the leadership. If it was that easy, uh, those decisions are a lot easier. So, obviously, that was Brian Kelly t chatting about the defense. 
yo, we've got to make changes, okay? I did think that anecdote about firing a defensive coordinator three games into the season is somewhat encouraging, right? I believe that defensive coordinator in question was Brian Van Gorder, okay? There are difficult decisions that you have to make, right? Brian Kelly and Mike Dimbrock went their separate ways. When Dimbrock went to Cincinnati, he comes back to LSU. And what's very interesting is Mike Dimbrock did not win the Frank Broles Award uh, today. It went to Phil Parker of Iowa. So I hated that for Mike uh, to, to fly all the way up to Little Rock, Arkansas. But it was good that he was honored and recognized for what he was able to do. I understand there are difficult decisions that need to be made. But they need to be made, right? It's good that we are hearing Brian Kelly mention what needed to be mentioned. Something else, and this is why Jacques Doucet is really good, he didn't even ask specifically about the defense. He, Brian Kelly himself, brought up to himself that the defense needs to be addressed. And I know it's blatantly obvious that that is the side of the football that needs to be addressed, but it was good to hear Brian Kelly say what needed to be said about the defense. Now, will he make those changes? We'll play a little bit more audio, but obviously Brian Kelly went through exit interviews last week with players. And obviously they are doing a lot of recruiting for the upcoming early signing period. I think next week is when you could start seeing some changes in the LSU defensive staff. I am a little shocked that nothing has been done yet. But what I can tell you is I feel Brian Kelly is in a position where he can not do nothing, right? I don't think you can roll back out next season with the same exact defensive staff and just say, hey, that was just one bad group. That was just, you know, forget last season. We're going to roll into next year because the truth is we will not have Jaden Daniels bailing us out of opportunities next year um, when our defense is not playing well, right? Schools like Ole Miss and Missouri would have run us off the field if our offense was not an all-time great offense. So we, we've honestly got to see some type of changes. I do like, though, that he des- delivered a message. And hopefully that message is actually delivered upon uh, going into next year. Uh, TJ right here, he wants to talk some transfer portal players. We can do that. We say hi to Chef22504, TOV, the whole crew. TJ says, Will Shepard would be massive for us. Okay, so you see the poll question up right now. Which offensive player that is currently in the transfer portal is your number one target? And for those that are listening via podcast, I give you three options. Trevor Etienne. Xavion Thomas, Will Shepard, three Louisiana players that are at other SEC schools right now, and then also give you the option of other. So if you're watching this on a premiere, if you are listening via podcast, say aloud right now or type it out. Who is the number one offensive target? Or is there a defensive target I should know about that you want to see LSU go after in the portal? 
Now, just a little programming note. We will have our normal live stream schedule this week outside of Thursday. Thursday night, I do have a college basketball game to call. So we will go live a little bit earlier in the day on Thursday. And also on Friday, we will have a video on Gabriel Relaford. Okay. So he is committing on Friday morning. We do have a breakdown coming up on Gabriel Relaford, a talented defensive tackle prospect from Evangel. Okay. There have been a lot of three star lower tier players that have turned out to be really good football players from Evangel. Obviously, Jacob Hester is one. Ardarius Washington is another, and Gabriel Relaford very well could be the next. So it is very important uh, to be on the lookout Friday because we will have a video breakdown of Gabriel Relaford. And I did find one Louisiana legend professional comparison that should excite you for Gabriel Relaford, right? A guy that he showed some flashes and you can make an argument that this guy that I'm referencing is the best Louisiana college defensive lineman ever. That is the absolute extreme upside. I don't know if he's that good of a player, but he does have some traits that this guy also had. So really excited about him, and hopefully he does pick LSU on Friday. Y'all, I got to be real. There are so many different directions I can go into tonight. So many. Like, I, I feel like an octopus with tentacles and each tentacle has a topic that I can get into. And the funny thing about it was the season's been over for only a week. So that's what we do on PHL baby. We're LSU football 24, seven, 366 with some baseball, basketball, and some other sports mixed in there. And that's why I'm here for you. Okay. Pretty freaking excited about that. Also excited about Louisiana High School State playoffs. Uh, the finals are coming up in the Dome uh, this weekend. I am not uh, a prep expert, but I did see Catholic High uh, get there. That's pretty cool. Good luck to them. Um, what are we giving out tonight? I did not single anything out. We've given out a lot of Mason Smith autographs. What do we want to give out here? I don't know. But if we do get a hundo in Super Chats, we'll get out an autograph. How about that? Okay. Let's go to Chance. Iowa's offense and LSU's defense were equally horrible. Parker and Dimbrock both work miracles. Yeah, they were probably on the opposite end of the spectrum there. It would have been an interesting chance if they would have said, hey, you know, if we could have swapped, we would have formed the greatest team of all time. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. Uh, Brian brings up Trevor Etienne. It would be demoralizing to that Florida fan base. So what's funny about that is there is a viral Billy Napier clip. He was visiting some high school and some kid said, uh, did a selfie video with Billy Napier. And he said, smile if LSU dropped 50 on you. <laughs> I... 11 and Billy Napier smile. He played it like a champ. Now I'll say this. You do that to somebody like Nick Saban. I don't, I don't know if you would have gotten the same result. You might've gotten a knuckle sandwich. Um, But yeah, it's, 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 it's very interesting. Let's go to Josh here. 
He says, I'm hoping we can snag the corner from Ohio State last name Brown. Yes, originally from New Orleans, um, Jair Brown. I think I'm saying his first name correctly. Um, Josh, I don't know a whole lot about him. I really don't. But what I can tell you is LSU does need defensive back help in a major way. I think Jordan Gilbert is someone you should feel pretty good about at this point. Um, there were a lot of people that were not happy that he pick, did not pick LSU when he was coming out. Uh, in his defense, they didn't recruit him as well. I will say this, though, and, and this is kind of important. And Josh, welcome to the channel. Um, if you're watching on Facebook, please share this, like it, all that good stuff. I do want to bring up something, and it's so very key to bring up. There have been a lot of Louisiana defensive backs over the last five to eight years that have gone elsewhere and been successful. Okay. The issue with that is we haven't been that deep in the secondary. So what is it, right? What are we doing? Are we not recruiting the right guys? So there's guys like a Derek Williams who we did recruit and he was a five-star and he did go to Texas this year and was a really good player. That shouldn't be a shock to anyone. We were really high on Derek Williams during his recruiting process, but a guy like Jacoby Matthews, we recruited him, right? But can we do something to do a better job of finding the three-star gems, right? Obviously, Greg Brooks, obviously, Joe Fouché, obviously, uh, Jared Bernard Converse. Those guys did eventually come back to LSU, but we can't always count on that. I think what Brian Kelly wants to do is focus more on getting the evaluations right of the guys coming out of high school. So we have got to do a better job of that. We really, really, really do. Okay. Now. I will also say this, and and to finish up, because I want first-timers to feel welcome, Stingley was the last dog, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, Sting is killing it right now. <laughs> he's, he's one of the best DBs in the NFL right now. When he's healthy, he's obviously very special. Um. But yeah, you know we've had a, we've had a few good DBs, but man, it's it's we're, we're in a tough spot right now. We're in a really really tough spot at defensive back. I am excited about Toviano moving forward. I do believe Say Ryan comes back for year four, so that's obviously very good. I do want to play a little bit more Brian Kelly's press conference, if you guys don't mind. He did mention um, more about. Um, playing more or, or keeping the top defensive players uh, from last year's unit. So this is a guy, Brian Kelly, who, who who wants to retain his defensive players, even though they weren't necessarily the best on the field, because that experience is very important. To sit down and watch Oregon play or sit down and watch. Had a tricky situation. And do you discuss that with Garrett Nussmeyer and the rest of the room? Look, I mean, all of the, all, all the questions that you bring up relative to the transfer portal, um, you answer them as well. 
like your question had an answer to it, right? Look, th this is this is a world that we live in that is got to be handled with transparency. If not, you know, you're 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 going to find yourself with without um, the right personnel. So, if we were to ever do anything in the transfer portal relative to a quarterback, we're talking to everybody in that room. And, and we're talking to recruits. We're talking to everybody. It is about transparency. It's about honesty. And it's about saying, if we're doing that, here's why we're doing it. And then making a decision and doing it. Because, again, the most important thing here is what's in the best interest of LSU's football program, not what's in the best interest of a singular person. So everything that we do in the portal is going to be to that end. And just like I mentioned relative to coaches. I mean, it's not personal. OK, I know it has a personal end of it with families are involved and they may have to pull their kids out of school and they may have to move. And, and that's difficult. But this at the end of the day, the decisions that I have to make are in the best interest of LSU's football program. Brian, following up on that defensive staff, would you like some level of continuity, especially at this stage of where you all are at in the program? So th those are all great questions that you look at the end of the day, you have to factor all of those things in. You're two years in. You've developed a culture within your program, a way to communicate, a routine, habits, things that you want your leadership to espouse on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, you have to factor those in, um, in terms of making a decision. But you also have to factor in the play of your defense. And are there things that are correctable, right, under that leadership? Are there things that are not correctable? So all of that has to be considered when making those kinds of decisions. Uh, hey, coach, just another portal question. Obviously, with the portal, it's it's crazy every year. It seems like there's even more players in it than last year. I think it's 1,183 as of last night at 11 yeah, o'clock. Am I right? Exactly. Uh, so, so, See, right I'm here. not on this at all. I don't follow it. It's just something I do as a hobby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just, uh, I guess, you, know, you guys have obviously taken in double digits the last couple of years, but you've obviously expressed you wanted to be more selective. But with the portal being so crazy and hectic, how do you balance being more selective and looking at all those names that are in there and, and just what have you learned, I guess, the last two years about that process and what you guys need to do to be, well, to look, find the right fits. Look, look at our defense. You know, we took 15 out of the portal, 13 played on defense. We, we were not a close group. That group was not a close knit group because they were from, you know, different parts. They hadn't played together. We saw how they played early in the season. We saw how they played later in the season. Um, so it's, a, it's, I said it many times, it's a red flag when you have to do that. We don't believe that we have to do that. Will we have to take maybe a player here or there at a certain position? Most likely. Um, so we are much more targeted. We're much more focused. The question was asked about, is it defensive line? Is it quarterback? Is it, it is much more in that. We were taking literally numbers on defense uh, to, to really right the ship, if you will, relative to uh, our defensive structure last year. We're not going to have to do that. Um, right now, we're counting nine out of, excuse me, we're counting 10 out of our 11 uh, players with the most snaps coming back next year. Now, some might say, well, that's not such a great thing. Um, we think it is uh, because you have experience. We didn't have that last year. Um, so that's where we are relative to the portal. So obviously, um, and look, I play a lot of, I play a fair amount of Brian Kelly audio on here. Um, I got to be real. Uh, today's press conference was very illuminating. That's why I'm playing a lot of this. Uh, let's go to Drew here. Is there a chance for Jacoby Matthews, and is there an NIL collected to donate to? Yes. Bayou Traditions is the name of it. Uh, as far as Jacoby Matthews is concerned, that's kind of tough because 
we know, I say we know, but Evan Stewart said he's not been paid yet, the Texas A&M five-star receiver um, that's in the portal right now. I don't know what the heck's going on at A&M. I really don't. But Jacoby Matthews is a power five starter at an SEC school. There was a really interesting comment made by a coach who said if guys that are starting at Ohio State and guys that are starting at Oklahoma are entering the portal at high numbers, then something's wrong. Okay? He's right. (laughs) It is crazy who you've seen enter the portal. The only position where if I was a starter at a big-time Power 5 university, I would even consider putting my name in the portal for is, is quarterback, right? Just because there's so much money to be made. Um, but even then, like you're not guaranteed a, a starter's role at your new school. You can be a dominant football player at one school and it not work out, right? Mike Jones was one of the highest rated Power 5 linebackers when it comes to coverage grade did not play hardly at all at LSU. Omar Spates, all Pac-12, four-year starter at Oregon State. Was he hurt? Was it just the injury? I don't know, but this year he put together one of the worst seasons we've seen from an LSU linebacker. Just because you go somewhere else new, it doesn't mean you're going to be the same player. But when it comes to Jacoby Matthews, he is a really good football player. To the point when he committed to LSU a few years ago, I stopped in the middle of a target and and recorded a video. The kid is such a special athlete, and he made one of the best open field tackles on Jaden Daniels uh, that I've seen any that I've ever seen. Right? Um, He is a big, big, big time player. Jared, thank you for the super chat. Any topic you want to get to, Jared, we'll go straight to it. Okay. Let's go to Tony here. The master blaster. Let's go, Tony. Let's go. Tony is more powerful than the entire transfer portal put together. Tony says, bring Corey Raymond home. It's it's not a PH. I, I'm telling you, it's not a PHL chat. If Corey Raymond's name is not brought up. Corey Raymond's name gets brought up more on here than Brian Kelly, than, than Les Miles, Ed Orgeron, than Joe Burrow. People love them some Corey Raymond. I know I know we talk about him quite a bit, and I know he was at LSU for a long time. He's one of the most beloved coaches ever at LSU, and he's one of us, right? He's an LSU Tiger, right? Um, played at the school, worked his way up, had two different stints at LSU, the second, of course, is what he's known for as a defensive back coach. I I am open to, to anything at this point. Obviously, a lot of it is going to come down to communication, right? I think, and I won't get into the timeline of events again as, when we moved on from Corey Raymond, but it was very interesting. The bottom line is this, before we say, well, bring in Corey Raymond or bring in Blake Baker, bring in whoever. The big decision is what does Brian Kelly want to do with Madhouse? What does he want to do? I 
am a little worried that Madhouse is going to be retained. Now, is it going to be the end of the world if Madhouse is retained? No, because I think he could be a good SEC defensive coordinator, and it would be the year three uh, here as the LSU DC. But I, I would make a move there. I, I would make a move there. I don't, you know, what concerned me was when Brian Kelly, as, as we played the audio a little bit earlier, he said, yeah, three games into the season, I fired a, you know, a guy that was in my wedding. Well, the issue with that is three games into next season is too late, right? A lot of people view firing a coach three games into a season or five games into a season as too early when it's actually too late, right? You should have seen the light at the end of the tunnel or the darkness at the end of the tunnel, if you will. I think he needs to be decisive and and go in a different direction. That's just what I would do. Now, do I know all the financials? No. Do I know all the inner workings of the LSU defense? No. Do I know the inner communications and overall talent of all the assistant coaches that LSU has on defense. I don't, because I'm not in that building every day, nor are you. Now, some of you watching, you might be, okay? I I, I would go in a different direction. I would. And I, I pride myself on being as objective and honest as I possibly can. I also would also, and I know I bring this up quite a bit, but when we made the move to him being the defensive coordinator, I wasn't on fire about it. And, you know, that, that's that when a coach gets hired at, at the school that you cover or the, the school that you built your whole YouTube channel around and, and you're not gung-ho about it, you get angry emails. You get angry calls and all of that. It's not that I dislike him. I just, I just think we can do better. This is LSU, Right. Never do I open up Twitter.com and see uh, and like an Oklahoma State defensive backs highlights being retweeted and, and and clipped a million times over. I don't see freaking Penn State defensive backs clips highlighted and 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 done over and remixed and all of that. But you know what I do see on national accounts? I see people tweeting out Tyron Matthew clips. Saw it again today. I see people tweeting out Patrick Peterson clips. Saw it a few weeks ago. This is LSU, man. There should be no excuses that our defense is not at minimum top 20 in the nation every single year. Instead, we're in the 120s. We have got to get the standard where it needs to be. And look, I'm very fortunate to have gotten to meet former players, um, some of which I knew when I was in college, some of which I have met after the fact, whether it's the film studies or the or the live streams. They're disgusted. They, they, they don't like to see this, right? I mean, we they, they were the ones that built the, the standard of, of defensive excellence at LSU, right? And honestly, the standard has not been met for half a decade now. Right. That's unacceptable. That's just it's just unacceptable. And it doesn't mean we haven't had good defensive performances. That doesn't mean we haven't had good defensive players or defensive highlights or defensive coaches. It's just not where it needs to be. Okay. 
Uh, let's see. No recycled coaches. No Texas A&M five-star discipline issues. Matthews equals Harris. No drama kings. MJ Morris equals Elias Ricks. Okay, so let's start with the Jacoby Matthews. I, I would not put him in, in, in an equal sign to a Jacoby Matthews to Denver Harris. I, I'll i be real with this, uh, Danny. There has never at LSU been a player who was as destructive as Denver Harris was to this LSU defense. It It was a massive, massive, massive issue. And this is a young man in only year two. I'm nothing against him. That was a guy that I had an extremely high grade on coming out of high school. He was special coming out of North Shore. And obviously he picked Texas A&M, um, and he's a very talented player, but there there are issues. Whatever the issues may be, they, they exist, right? And I don't think Jacoby Matthews has those. I, I just I just don't because he's been on the field and he's been a big-time producer. So I would absolutely positively – uh, bring in Jacoby Matthews, uh, even if it even if there is a, a little extra, um, a, a little bit of a transition from the culture at Texas A&M to where we are right now. Now, we get to MJ Morris, which is very interesting. Okay, all right. So for those that don't know, MJ Morris is the NC State quarterback who was, I believe, a year two quarterback at NC State, all right? Now, I I do feel like I need to explain what actually happened for people to fully grasp the situation. So NC State took a portal quarterback by the name of Brennan Armstrong from Virginia, all right? Brennan Armstrong came in, and the plan was MJ Morris, who was a backup, he was going to maintain his backup status and get a chance to redshirt as the backup to Brendan Armstrong. The issue was Brendan Armstrong stunk. So they gave him J- uh, Morris a chance to play. He went in and, and lit it up. He was really good. And when it came to game four of the season or game five of the season for him, he quit. Now, why did why did he quit? Because he wanted to maintain his red shirt and put himself out into the portal because he put out some good film. And now he's in the portal and probably listening to offers from all different schools. So he 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 he, he didn't stick with the team. Right. He, he did what was best for him. And what was best for him was to maintain as many years of eligibility as he possibly could. And look, I will defend him, Jay Morris, in his decision because that wasn't. You know, really, the um, uh, uh, it wasn't really the plan for him to be the guy, and the plan was for you to redshirt. Well, if you're thinking you're going to redshirt and you don't really see a path forward at NC State, well, you just kind of you just said, "Hey." Now, I don't know enough about MJ Morris personally, um, Danny Girl, uh, to say one way or the other. Uh, but if he's going to a new school, I'm open, especially if he is a quarterback, because I do think LSU needs to bring their entry portal quarterback. I do. Um, uh, so Danny Girl says, if someone shows you who they are, believe them. I agree. Um, but I do think 
both of them are in different situations. I don't think, I don't know Jacoby Matthews well enough to say this one way or the other. Uh, I do know some people very uh, close to him. Um, He's just a big time player. And that's someone I am just not saying no to at this point. I mean, he can really, really, really freaking play. Um, and look, that's it, it's also one of those guys that I really, really, really like coming out of high school. And I know he had a top 100 grade, but man, he was a freaking magician on on the on the football field. Uh, let's go to D. Really, Brandon, but Nesta Hilton and Parker are going to be nice next year. Interesting. Garrett Nussmeyer to Chris Hilton and Kyle Parker. Let's start with the beginning here. Garrett Nussmeyer, I think, is going to be a really good starting quarterback for LSU. Obviously, it's going to be drastically different, but history does tell me that he will be a good quarterback at LSU. Now, will he be throwing to Chris Hilton and Kyle Parker next year? I have a tough time seeing Chris Hilton being one of the top three guys on the LSU receiving core next year. Could he be? Yeah, because he's going to be entering year four of his prime, right? He is going to be entering his athletic prime. And he showed some absolute flashes of excellence this past year. But he does have drop issues. He does have struggles keeping his feet. And he does have struggles staying healthy. I am telling you right now, if Xavier Thomas comes to LSU, watch the frick out, okay? Um, Xavier Thomas is a big-time football player. I know I've talked about him at length on this channel, and I banged the table for him to be a, a guy that we got out of the transfer portal last year. All he did with Mississippi State in an absolutely terrible offensive setting is just get better and better and better and better. And he's also a true return guy who has actual Division I college football film of him being a return guy. I am really high on Xavion Thomas. Now, he's more of a slot guy. He is on the shorter side, but he is special with the football in his hands. Special. Um, I like Kyle Parker a lot as well. Kyle Parker was a younger guy. So as a true freshman last year, was younger than your average true freshman. So year two could be a massive year for him. And this is a guy who had some good moments in spring football and spring practices last year. Um, but for me, D, really, I, I would say this. I think the wide receiver rotation, um, the top three guys is Kyron Lacey, I'm going to go in and put Shelton Sampson in there. Um, I'm sticking with, you know, my year two prediction with him. And I think it's going to be a guy from the portal. I do. Okay. Whether that's Will Shepard, whether that's uh, the kid from North Texas that, it, that we've shown interest to, the Macklin kid. Um, and and look, this, this bowl game is going to be massive for Chris Hilton. It's going to be massive for Aaron Anderson. And if I were them, Personally, there, there would be a piece of me that hopes BTJ and Malik don't play in the bowl game because if they don't, guess what? You, you're the guys. You, 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 get, your, you get your opportunity uh, to prove yourself as the guys, guys that are, are slated to get five to, to seven targets uh, over the course of a game, right? So that obviously is going to come down to Malik and BTJ and, and Jaden to a certain degree. I hope those three do play in the bowl game. But there is 
you know, pretty big bonus. If they don't, you get to see who steps up and they get a matchup versus a Wisconsin team that's just not that good. So um really excited about that. But yeah, and it's the beginning of your super chat. Garrett Nussmeyer is going to be the guy next year. He's going to be the guy. Okay. And keep in mind, Kamarion Pimpton and trade as green. Look, it the wide receiver at LSU is the ultimate meritocracy. It's it's if if you could play, you you'll find your way up there. Maybe it's Kai Prian. Maybe we we don't know anything about Kai yet. Okay. Tyler is the, the biggest nuts bus guy. Well, especially. For Tyler, the ReliQuest Bowl could be the Garrett Nussmeyer experience. Okay. Um, I see a few of you want to get into the um, Marvin Harrison debate. Let's go to Luke here. Thoughts on Colin Hurley coming in to be that guy? And look at Luke. That is a great Tiger Stadium shot. I'm telling you right now, when y'all have your avatars and there's photos of you in Tiger Stadium, I love it. My favorite avatars, though, my favorite. I mean, I love these avatars better than The Last Airbender, okay? That's how much I love these avatars. It's when you're showing some PHL merch in Tiger Stadium. Look at that. I think I've seen Mick in here. Look at that. Go to powerhourlsu.com slash merch. Get to it, okay? Now, uh, let's, I always want to answer first timer questions and make them feel welcome in the PHL community. Colin Hurley coming in and being that guy. So it's kind of like with Kyle Parker. Colin Hurley is going to be one of the youngest LSU football recruits ever. And he's coming in as a younger recruit as, as at a position where age and experience is been the number one predictor of success for your position. So Colin's definitely not a year one starter type, but look, the dude is really freaking good at football. Um, he's a big time thrower of the football. His football IQ is amazing. He's been on this channel before. He's broken down film for us uh, on this channel. He is a really, really, really special kid when it comes to work ethic and all those things. And look, there's something to be said about him working out with Will Gormley. I think that's his name, who is Anthony Richardson's uh, trainer. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Colin's very much going to be in the mix uh, for sure moving forward. Let's go to Carvis' Super Chat. We'll be in a lot of 12 personnel next season. Mason Taylor could be the number one guy. Run the ball, explosive plays on play action. I love our tight ends. Mason could be that guy. Um, you know, I got a lot of questions this year about Mason's lack of production. And the truth is the lack of production from him is a good thing, right? Because we want the football going to our wide receivers in the passing game because they give you a little bit more juice after the catch. Now there are some freak tight ends like a, like a Brock Bowers who's really special after the catch. Sanders at Texas is, is definitely one of those guys as well. But I'm telling you right now, yes, Mason Taylor had a really bad drop versus Alabama. That does not mean the production 
not taking a leap forward, it doesn't mean that he wasn't great this year. He was undeniably great. Um, he is the most valuable player to our offense. Um, he's not the best. I, I won't even put him in like the top three or four players in our offense, but the drop off from him to the next tight end is ginormous, right? And he showed that uh, time in and time out with his blocking and, and football IQ and all those things. He is, he is so vital to our success. And I think next year, Mike Dimbrock, to Carvis's point, wants to run more 12 personnel, which means two tight end sets. Um, and with Kamarion Pimpton, who's more of a receiver type, and trade as green, you could see that. And if either one of them can become a big-time blocker, watch out. Watch the frick out. That would be one of the most athletic and versatile LSU offenses we've ever had. So I do agree with Carvis. Um, Mason could be a big-time producer, and the next step for him is when he makes a catch, can he make guys miss? Can he be a little bit more explosive after the catch? That's pretty much the only thing really missing from his game. Other than that, he is a really, really, really good football player. So there you go. Mick, can we just put on the screen, what about KJ Jefferson? You guys know I'm a big KJ guy. I got one of his cards uh, sitting right here. Uh, I, I'm I'm out on, on KJ with, with LSU, but if it did happen – Let's go. Huh? 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 I, I don't think KJ wants to come in and, and be in a position where he has one year of eligibility and Gary Nussmeyer is there and he beats you out. Uh, Jackson Dart style. Um, so there you go. Let's keep it going here with TJ. If houses let go, do I think it would help or hurt with keeping some of the more talented guys from entering the portal? Or do you think it wouldn't really have an effect? Okay. This is a very good question. Um, so when, when Harold Perkins was recruited, one of the big guys that helped hammer home his signature was Matt house, right? So Matt house was still, you know, doing some Kansas city chief stuff. And so a lot of it was done over Zoom, and Harold Perkins has a relationship not only with Matt House, but John Jancic, right? So you do worry about that, right? Like guys that still like Matt House, right? Even if your defense isn't great, a lot of people still have good relationships, but they're coaches, right? So yeah, you, you do worry about that some, TJ. You really, really, really do. With that said, though, We had all this five-star talent this year. We had five-star players. We had good athletes on our defense, experienced guys, guys that have put out good tape. It looked like those guys just forgot how to play football at times, right? Which is really no excuse. Now, some of that is on the players, but there there is just no excuse for any LSU defense to look as bad as it did, right? And if it meant some guys leaving because Matt House left, then so be it. So be it, right? The truth is, though, 
I personally wouldn't make a change. I, I just would. Okay. Um, there are people in that building that, that don't want to change, obviously, because they're, they're, they're in there. But we, there's just, there's just no excuse for it, right? There's no excuse. And let, let me, let me put it this way. Let me, let me, let me just, let me just put it to you this way. Okay. And I understand this is kind of a reiteration of our show on Sunday and our show on Sunday, absolutely crushed. I really appreciate it. Once again, we, we post everything on iTunes, Spotify. I prefer everyone watch on YouTube, but obviously we're growing on Facebook. You got a few extra Facebook people in here. Let me make one thing crystal clear. Okay. And I want you to go to bed thinking about this tonight. If you are leaning towards Madhouse staying at LSU, I have absolutely no problem that we lost to Florida State in the season opener because they turned out to be one a really good team, right? I honestly had no issue losing to Alabama because they turned out to be the SEC champion, a really good football team. The issue was how we lost to them, okay? We didn't QB spy Jalen Milrow, all right? That ultimately cost you a legitimate shot of winning that game. Right. A QB scramble, when you really think about it, is the most efficient play that you can have in football. Right. Well, why is that the case? Because there's no transition. Okay. A QB scramble that there, you take away the ability of an overthrow, you take away the ability of a, a drop. Uh, it, it's easier to block, it's more exhausting to, to, to defend quarterback scrambles. The fact that we didn't go to a QBs behind that game is crazy. But take out that. Let's just say we, we we just lose those two games. Well, guess what? We're in the playoff. We're in the playoff. So this season that we just went through, that we just you know locked arms together, the highs and the lows, the highs being Jaden Daniels taking the quarterback position to a level we've never seen before, Malik Neighbors. To me, becoming the best LSU receiver of all time. All those great things. Will Campbell, Emory Jones taking their uh, they were first team and second team all all SEC today. Congrats to them. All those great things happen. But the 30 plus missed tackle performance versus Ole Miss would have cost you the playoffs. Okay. Now, if you're sitting at home where you are right now saying, Well, you know, maybe we should bring back Matt House. Imagine if Last year, or excuse me, imagine if this year was next year, okay, and you just make five less missed tackles versus Ole Miss. So the 33 missed tackles you had versus Ole Miss, you're in the playoff. You're in the playoff with losses to Florida State and Alabama. I'll take that any day of the week, y'all. I'll take that any day of the week. College football is hard. It's a tough schedule. So really think about that, right? Do you want to be sitting in this same position next season where a game of that many missed tackles costs you the playoff? Okay? It's unacceptable. It's simply unacceptable. Okay? So, you know, it, I I understand that there that there's quite – and there was a question that well, we've already played the audio, but there was a question asked of a Brian Kelly about continuity. Well, 
F it. <laughs> huh? I do agree continuity is good. I do agree bringing back experienced players from last year's team to this year's team. But there, look, there were some players who struggled this year defensively that shocked me. There were other players that struggled defensively that didn't shock me. Whatever the case may be, we've got to be better on the defensive side of the football. It's unacceptable. It's simply unacceptable. Let's go to Bo. Everybody, welcome Bo to the channel. Lance Guidry, yes, that is definitely uh, one of my top five guys. All right. I've not made any like hot lists yet, Bo, of like the, the guys that I personally would go after. I, I just haven't because there's no reason to do it until we actually have, uh, you know, a decision made. But I can tell you that Lance would probably be open to the possibility of coming back home. Let's go to Dwayne. Um, Perkins dropped off this year, and that's a direct reflection of House. Perk dropped up tremendously, so although it would be a big loss, it's not the loss. It would have been after year one. I don't think Harold Perkins really dropped off as much as we would think. He didn't have like an Arkansas type of game, but the, the, there's a lot of factors that go into that. Uh, what what I would say about the um, Harold Perkins situation was it wasn't just the LSU's coaching staff's decision to use him the way that he was used, right? You know, when you have a player who's kind of a tweener, right, You, it honestly comes down to what the player feels comfortable doing as well, right? You want to do what Harold Perkins also wants to do um, as long as it doesn't sacrifice the overall quality of your defense, right? So they tried him at inside linebacker versus Florida State. It didn't work out. So you kind of had to make him into – a, a nickel. Um, and that had some big moments. Obviously the Missouri game was to me by far his best game of the season. And then also had some, some, some rough moments. So, yeah, I mean, whoever comes in is going to need to uh, make some big decisions. The one thing that really pissed me off though, with the LSU defense. Okay. And, don't take my word for it. Let's talk about the greatest freaking coach of all time, which is Nick Saban. So I did a film study on Power Hour SEC on the Alabama versus Georgia game. All right. And I felt like I did a really good job of it. I I, I did. I broke it down like, like I normally do the LSU film studies that you guys have, have, have known to love. And what was very interesting was that I cut the whole film study, and then I saw a quote that Nick Saban said – about how he completely changed the defense after the first drive of the game versus Georgia. Okay. So Alabama went into this, this game versus Georgia with a very detailed game plan. And Nick Saban, after the first drive, said, F it. We're not going to do the three down stuff. We're going to play too high, give them light boxes. Let's see if they can run on it. And guess what? They couldn't run on it. And they basically shut them down the rest of the game, okay? If I'm a defensive-minded coach, if I'm a DC, a defensive back coach, or anything like that, you're already at a disadvantage, okay? Defensive football is at a major disadvantage at all times. All the rules favor the offense. The, 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 every last little thing. The quarterbacks are so freaking good now. 
it used to be every quarterback looked like uh, Greg McElroy, right? Um, Chris Ralph, guys that, that were statues and and threw um, and played very static, and they weren't real playmakers. It's not like that anymore. It's just it's just not like that. I mean, these quarterbacks are mutants. I mean, it's 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 a completely different thing. You know, there were no Johnny Manziel's uh, or anything like that in in yesteryear, man. Man, even even a, like like even on like the lower end of like in, like obviously if we're talking about all time great athletes, you're thinking of Johnny Manziel, Jaden Daniels, and those guys. But even guys like Stetson Bennett, like those guys. And yesteryear really didn't exist. You have got to change your defense during the course of a game. Okay. And if your game plan freaking sucks, scrap it. Do something completely different. Okay. Freaking Nick Saban did it. He said, look, F this three man front stuff. We're going to play four man front, two high safety, and they uh they're running formations into the boundary right uh, it, it's it's better known as fib in the in the, in the coaching industry fib or whatever you we're going to run two high structures and that's not what they initially wanted to do and they, they switched things up right the thing that drove me crazy about matt house was versus alabama four-man rush well if you have a four-man rush guess what jalen milro knows where to run versus a four-man rush he knows where everybody's coming from Okay, so you shouldn't do that. You should do some QB spy. You should mix some things up versus him, but we didn't. Okay, Um, or at least I saw that we didn't do that. Maybe I'm totally wrong on that. When the stuff's not working, mix it up. Mix it up. Fran Tarkadin, the the first real scrambler uh, of uh, uh, of, of that era. Okay. Ooh, Rocket Sanders. He is in the portal. The Arkansas running back. Uh, I, I'm more interested in ETN. A little bit cleaner bill of health, and I think I get a little bit more explosion. Um, with him. Let's go to Luke here. Missed tackles can't all be on. Coach, I agree, man. Sam Cat thinks we don't have the Jimmys and Joes on defense. Uh, Cardi thinks she has Preston could enter. It seems like he isn't going anywhere in Alabama. Yeah, I, I don't know what the heck happened to Shaz Preston. I wasn't like I really wanted him at LSU because historically top 100 receivers that go to LSU make it to the NFL. I wasn't necessarily on fire about him, though, right? I know, I know it sounds like revisionist history, but there's a lot to back this up. I am to this day shocked that Xavier Thomas was such a lowly ranked recruit. I was like, wait, am I seeing this correctly? And I was like, I don't know. And he's been a good SEC player up to this point. Not a great one, but he's been pretty good. It's been better than a lot of the guys that are ranked ahead of him. Um, so there you go. LD88. LD Lady Late. <laughs> huh? 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 
Um, yeah, it's true, Danny girl. Let me ask, okay, well, then I'll ask the question to the chat. Okay. Do you feel, type Y for yes, type N for no, we have a major personnel problem on defense. Type Y for yes, type N for no. We have a major personnel problem problem on defense type y for yes type in for now okay let me know and i will let you know right after this phl nation oh yeah baby you know about louisiana controls they've been showing us love throughout this college football season and i'm looking for you to do the same when it comes to your energy management commercial HVAC needs. It is all with our buddies who have been doing this for over 40 years. Yes, that is four decades. You know this Louisiana weather gets crazy. Go to louisianacontrols.com or call 225-924-4990, baby. Let's go. Okay. Dr. Morgan, good to see you. I I will say this. Charles, good to see you. Esteban on the Xavion Thomas train. Um, okay. I think I think we I think we do. Some of it is just depth, but some of it also is square peg and round holes. You know, look, let's just say we get Makai Wingo back. We know he's big time. We know he takes our defense to the next level. Let's say we get Zion Alexander back. We know he's big time. Well, he's pretty good. We all, I, won't, I won't say he's big time. We know Wingo's big time. You know, it, it's a, it, it is a broad question, but I will tell you, we desperately need safeties, right? I would like Major Burns back, but Andre Sam is for sure gone. He's got no eligibility left. Greg Brooks is probably not returning. We've got to go get some safety help. We just do. Now, the staff... How do they feel about Jordan Allen? Jordan Allen played a lot in these last couple of weeks. Do they think he can be a starting safety at the SEC level? I don't know. We need safety help. We do. Okay. We need linebacker help. Okay. Whit week should be who we build our linebacker core around. But it just can't be him. You know, this is going to be a huge transition period for Christian Brathwaite. Can he play? You know, we played him a lot on special teams last year. Let's unleash him. Or excuse me, this year. Let's unleash him in the bowl game. Let's see if he can play some off-ball linebacker. 
Um, I think what I think we know what we have in Greg Penn right now. A good SEC level player. Now, is he an SEC level every play starter? I don't know. One guy that is very interesting to me. And I really haven't quit thinking about him. I know it's just that sounds weird and crazy, but one guy that I was kind of in the middle on because he was a top 125 bona fide four-star recruit is Jackson Howard. I never really just loved him as a high school prospect, um, but I also didn't dislike him, right? He's obviously got great genetics. His dad played um, at the NFL level. I sometimes wonder, and this is obviously going to be a very spicy take. You could share this with anyone you want. I sometimes wonder if he's not better fitted for tight end on the offensive side of the football because he does have some really good offensive traits in high school tape, um, but he wants to be a defensive player. He is a very interesting guy to me. Very interesting. Brian Kelly mentioned him in the press conference. He played versus Texas A&M, and they made a drastic decision middle of the season to take him off special teams and redshirt him. He is a redshirt. So now he's got full reign to do whatever he wants, and we have full reign to play him as much as we want to play him. Okay? Is he someone that you feel can be a big-time SEC player? Deshaun Womack, right? What is his fit? Is he a standing jack? Is he a hand-in-the-dirt defensive end? And then if you do retain Madhouse, do you run a run? Do you want to run, you know, the Aranda tight mint front? Do you want to do what Saban does and, and, and be multiple? All I know is we can't do what we did last year. Okay. Can't do it. Huey, Huey's been saying, yep, a lot. I really appreciate that, Huey. I don't know if you're agreeing with me or someone in the chat. I'm just trying to speak the truth. I'm just, I'm, yeah, Ryan Yates is also an, another guy to, to, to bring up, okay? Let's go to Danny. She says, let me be clear. He said 10 of the 11 with the of the 12 with most snaps. Those 12 are a concern, not the ones that played some snaps. Yeah, you know, look. He also mentioned when he said that, like, I know a lot of you won't be on fire about that, but he wants the experience. Okay. I I will I will I will say this. Almost every season, there is an LSU player who we think is just not good. And then he returns, and nobody gets really excited about that player, and he takes another leap. All right. So obviously, Cordell Flott's one of those guys. Demont Clark is another one of those guys. Maybe there's some of those guys that, that are on this roster right now that just didn't have everything figured out. This is very anecdotal, what I'm about to say, but normally 
who a player is is who that player is, right? You could see some improvement, but if you don't see special, like, right away, you're just like, oh, God, this is just not going to work out. And there there are some guys where the first time I saw him even play a rep on special teams, I was like, oh, no, no. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but more often than not, guys do improve. It's just, do you have someone on this defense that could take a Demon Clark leap? Where you go look at my comment section, you know, Demon Clark played like in the very early stages of when we had this channel. There's people that wanted him to transfer. Did he took more heat than anyone? And the next year, he almost wins the Butkus, and then. He is now a starter on the most dominant or one of the most dominant teams in the NFL. Uh, so, yeah. And, and to go to Rick here, Rick, one of our sharpest guys, losing Greg Brooks was huge. was huge, man. <laughs> oh, God. Huh? Uh, experiences and everything are all the hookers would be married. Now, what do you mean by experience? Drewski mean. What do you mean by that? <laughs> oh, that is hilarious. That is absolutely hilarious. Let's go to Tyler with the Venmo. He says, why does it feel like that BK doesn't play the best player sometimes? What more does Womack and Weeks have to do to get on the field? Okay. Tyler continues. Every time they're out there making plays, they go straight to the bench. Okay. So let's have a conversation about those two young gentlemen. Loved what Weeks coming out. Did two different Patreon, very detailed film studies. And by the way, if you join the PHL Patreon, you get a Joe Burrow card in the mail, or you get a card of whoever you want in the mail. You want a Tyron Matthew card, I'll send you a Tyron Matthew card. We did a lot of Whit Week's film studies, and did, did some, he's just a really good football player. So it came out that he had a gash on his foot, and Brian Kelly didn't want to risk you know him with a further injury. He had some bizarre situations, though, where you're like, eh, I don't care if Whit Weeks turned into a pirate and only had one leg. He'd be better than the the uh, than 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 what we had out there right now. There were some growing pains, but yeah, you know, he should have played more. I agree. Deshaun Womack. Yeah, I think I think he probably should have played more, but I do also think he is he is a bit raw. Um and I also think they're still trying to figure out what his best position was. You know, last year he was an early enrollee, but he really couldn't participate in the spring. And they were kind of in the middle of do you want him to be a jack or do you want him to just be an end? What do you want him to do? And sometimes you don't want to overthink it, you just want to play the best players. But I, I highly recommend you guys tune in for the Gabriel Relaford film study that we will release 
after his commitment ceremony on Friday. Okay. It is so important that you have a plan for players. Okay. One thing that does concern me just a little bit is why why do we have all this talent but we're not getting any production are we playing the right guys are are we rotating the right guys are we relaying the correct message so we'll see John Battle, dude. John, ba I like that. Luke, I'm loving you, man. Thank you, Luke, for being a part of the PHL Nation. I'm a huge. John Battle was about that life, man. He was he when when he punched Jimbo's nephew. I was like, that's who I want. Huh? 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 Here's a portal quarterback. I have his card right here. Riley Leonard. I think he's going to Notre Dame. Yeah, Esteban, it is, it is like, it just hurts your soul that you couldn't, you couldn't just get over the hump, right? Like, we're so good on defense last year, and then this year, it's like, huh, huh. Yeah, yeah, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll kind of went in on Jared's Jared's comment. I'm like, dang, dude, y'all know a thing or two about this? Okay, that's funny, Zay. I don't know if that was uh, intentional. Maybe you shouldn't hire coordinators named Matt, Matt Canada, Matt House. I see what you did. There. I see what you did. Let's see, what are we giving away tonight? We are halfway to a hundo. What do we want to give away tonight? Let's see. I wanted to play one more clip from the Brian Kelly press conference. And here we go. I know you've talked a lot about roster retention and a lot of coaches, they like these bowl games because it does give them those extra practices and your experience and maybe specifically for this year, how important are those 15 extra practices for the development of some of the younger guys that might not get the opportunities in October, November? They're important. Um, here's why they're equally as important as any other time. When, when, when we're balancing our roster, I'll give you an example. Um, the Howard kid, right? We held on to him <laughs> At, at the three-game max until A&M. And then we put him in against A&M, played pretty good. And, and so he used his fourth game in that last year. We're excited about playing him in the bowl game because he gets that extra game. And, and so that's what makes this even better because once they gave us the extra game for the bowl, now you can play all of these guys that got to the limit of four and really let's see what they've got because now they're a full semester or almost a full year in your program and they're, they're ready to go out and compete. So I think that adds to it in terms of um, development and playing guys that have gotten their four games in. 
Uh, Deuce Chestnut and Denver Harris, are you moving on from those guys, or did they have any chance to be with the program moving forward? You know, we'll have to sit down. We have not sat down with them. Uh, we're going to wait till the end of the semester, and then we'll we'll sit down and have individual conversations with both of them. They will not. It's crazy. So I wanted to play that clip because um, we were talking about Jackson Howard a minute ago. So there you go. Now, if we do get to a hundo tonight, you guys know it's one of my faves. We'll give out this Terrence Tolliver card. If we get to a hundo, we're halfway there. Terrence Tolliver autograph, upper deck, SP authentic, not upper deck. It is upper deck, SP authentic, sign of the times card. Got a cool little hologram sticker on the back. So uh, we're halfway there. We're halfway there. Yeah, uh, here, here's something else. Uh, there is a... Uh, there is a guy... By, um, well, I saw this clip, Cornholio. Huh? 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 No, I, I, I actually think I had it at, let me see. No, I had it at 1.25 speed. So it was slightly faster. It's, it's crazy you picked that up. Uh, Jared, thank you for a super chat. Jeremy says, is it the talent we have is the talent we have coachable or are they getting out coached? I'll tell you this, okay. Obviously, for the past couple of years, I've spent so much time focusing on the LSU film studies, learning more about football. Um, because I'm not a coach and and you know, I don't know as much as those guys do. But obviously. On the SEC channel, I, I've grown doing the same kind of film studies I do here on the other channels. Okay. So I do notice a difference in how quickly other teams' DBs process information compared to our DBs. Okay. And a lot of that is is coaching, right? So much of defensive back play is if this player does this, I need to do that, okay? Instead of, you know, where let's say you're a wide receiver. Of course, there's like option routes, but, you know, if you're a wide receiver, there's oftentimes if if you're supposed to run a go, you're supposed to run a go, right? But – at DB, you don't know the play. You don't know how the play is going to unfold. So in order to play defensive back at the Power 5 level, especially with how complex these offenses are, you really got to have the mindset of if they do this, we need to do that. Okay? Jared, thank you for another Super Chat. I really appreciate it. We're inching closer. Okay. So let's take this, for instance. Um, in the SEC championship game, and I might have brought this up on the Sunday night film today, but I'll bring it up again here. Brock Bowers slipped out into the flat, first 
offensive play for Georgia, had a 20-plus yard gain. Then on the next drive, they tried to do the same thing with Brock Bowers, but they put a little bit more eye candy involved with it. And the defensive back, Malachi Moore, who, by the way, was the same DB who made the big fourth down play versus BTJ in our game this season, the way that that guy processes information is insane. So in the play versus us, he understood it was fourth and short. He understood that they were going to try and do you know, some kind of short rollout. And he was all over it. Okay. Then the Brock Bowers play was even more impressive. Like, I can't even do it justice just breaking down what exactly happened. But it takes an absurd amount of football IQ to, to, to process what he was able to process. Like, I still can't believe he did it. Now, why was he able to do it? Well, it's because Nick Saban is his coach, right? He's Nick Saban is the best defensive back coach of all time. Um, so with, with our secondary, we struggled with that, right? If this player does this, I need to do that. If a ball carrier is past the line of scrimmage, you don't have to worry about your receiver anymore. Go tackle them, okay? Um, we we really struggled with that. We really, really, really struggled with that, okay? It's some of its message. Some of it is just uh, guys just not making plays. It's tough, all right? <laughs> JJ, that's hilarious. Huh? Huh? It's, it's like how said, well, no way. <laughs> oh, God. That is so uh, crazy. That is, that is hilarious. Let's go to Raylon in the flat town Zydeco. It sounds like some good music here. Can I please, if you are uh, part of a Zydeco band, can you please let me come play the washboard? I, I, I've always, I was a percussionist in high school. One a good one, but uh, I, I want to, you know, I, I would just use my abs, but I want the actual, I want the whole metal kip and caboodle. I want to, uh, that just looks, it just looks so fun. Oh, man. I'm telling you, they wouldn't know what hit him. And, 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 and I could dance, too. As the LSU basketball team, I could dance. Evan Stewart? Ugh, I don't know. I don't know. Kind of goes on with Danny's Super Chat with the, the Evan Stewart stuff. Because uh, he very publicly complained about not getting his NIL pay payment. Okay. I I don't know. I don't. Okay. I don't know. Let's see. Yes, I thought I saw TT in here. He says, I agree with pressure. Oh, Nuss needs to. Oh, that's a hot take. 
And Black Eyes 4040 is probably the biggest Jaden fan on here. Okay. He actually called Jaden winning the Heisman. So there you go. LD88 said, this is an entertaining podcast. That's that's the point. <laughs> I want to be as entertaining as I possibly can. I want to be as thought-provoking as I possibly can. I want you to think deeper about LSU football. Think differently about LSU football. I also swore to not get into another Florida State-Alabama argument because I – I've gotten into a lot of those lately. Okay. Um, so be it. So be it. Okay. So be it. I I did find what Charlie Baker, the NCAA, what he said today about changing up some NIL rules, um, which would create a further haves and have nots in uh, in football, I'm not fully read up on everything, so I'm not going to go uh, too deep into any of that. But just uh, just know it's it's things could be changing. Times are a changing. Okay. Uh. So look. Okay, I got the. I got. I. I'm in. I'm in. Let's go. Oh, man. That's probably like one of the more complicated instruments that looks really simple. Um, kind of like a harp. You kind of walk up to a harp and think you can just... And I don't, that's not the sound a harp makes, but, you know. At the harp, you just kind of have to... I almost said something aloud that would have been taken extremely out of context, but you got to use your fingers, you know? But, yeah, you don't know, look. Now you're right, JJ. You would think that I was a Florida State fan. They beat us two years in a row. They got so unbelievably hosed. <laughs> like it's it's insane how badly they got hosed. That's it's all it's all there is to it. There's no there's no argument to be made for Alabama. None. You can't honestly make one other than they're in the SEC. You can make a strength of schedule argument, but it kind of gets shut down with the strength of record argument. Because uh, Florida State ended up having a better strength of record than Alabama. Um, I got robbed. That's all there is to it. Okay. And that's it, Pegasus. They won the SEC. That's it. <laughs> I mean, it's just if that's if that's your argument, well. They won the most difficult conference in 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 college football. Then look, I, I'm I'm happy to hear it out. 
but that's not why they got in. Okay. Yeah, Brian Kelly, you know, mentioned the the team is different from then until now. And I get that. No one's disagreeing with that. But that's why the word team is very important. College football is a team sport. It is a team. Everybody's together. If one person goes down, someone else steps up. That's a sign to me that you are a good team. Okay. Um, they got hosed. They got hosed. Okay. And look, I honestly would be a little bit more open to Alabama getting in if they would have just crushed the rest of their schedule. They didn't do that, y'all. They they scathed by a few middle-of-the-road SEC teams. They barely beat 4-8 and eight Arkansas. They beat them by three, 4-8 and eight Arkansas. They barely beat Auburn, who lost to New Mexico State the week before. They got dominated in the first half versus Tennessee. So, I mean, they went long stretches of not playing good football, and they just found a way to win. And guess what? That's good. But – if if I'm putting you in, if I'm jumping you, I I would have liked to have seen more dominant results. Okay. So, TLV, obviously I respect your opinion. You've been rocking with me for a while. You, record doesn't mean squat. Then why are we playing the games? Why is Florida State in a Power 5 conference? Okay. Tony, what's good? Jordan, what's good? Hey, we're getting a lot of Ohio State players and Aggie players over the next couple of weeks. Bank on it. Let's go to Tyler. What are the odds of a 12-0 Bama team got left out of the playoff because of an injury? The world would burn down. This Bama team almost lost to USF. True. Arkansas. True. And Auburn. True. TLV counter. She says, how much more dominant can you get by beating the number one team? And they should get a lot of credit for beating the number one. The team that I would consider to be the best, they, they they beat Georgia. But that's the point of only having a 14 playoff, and that's the point of playing the full season. Okay, it is the entire season. It's not just one game versus Georgia. Okay, is their win over Georgia more impressive than any win Florida State had over the course of the season? It is. I'd be the first to tell you that. But College football is more about just one game. The entire game, the entire season matters, right? Um, you know, like, for instance, let's use Jaden Daniels as an argument. Jaden Daniels did not play a bad game this year. He did not play a single bad game. 
Now he had rough halves, had a semi-rough half of football versus Florida State, and he had a semi-rough start versus Arkansas. But he was consistently excellent in every game. Michael Penix wasn't. Michael Penix wasn't. He, there were games where he, he accounted for no touchdowns, okay? That's the brilliance of the college football model that we have now. Florida State went out there on a Power 5 schedule, which featured two SEC teams, won all the games, every single one of them. I don't care one of them was close versus Boston College. It, 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 that, that doesn't really bother me, right? They were freaking legit, and they got robbed. Okay. So four of their wins was more impressive than Florida State. So I'll give you, um, I'll give you Georgia was more impressive than than Florida State's. And then after that, it gets a little tricky, right? Because both of them beat LSU, and, and they beat LSU more handily uh, than, 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 than Alabama did. So, there you go. But Tyler, I think, is just right on. You know, I, I, I just think the, the, the Bama privilege was at play here. It really was. That's a good question for Pegasus. What would my four have been? Uh, pretty simple. It would have been Michigan or Washington, one or two. Number three would have been Florida State. Number four would have been Texas. Okay. But, you know, if Georgia would have won, it would have left Texas out of my four. Florida State would have been the number four. Bottom line is Florida State should have been in. That's all there is to it. You 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 can't go undefeated versus a Power Five schedule and not get in. I'm I'm sorry. It, especially if you have two SEC powers. I mean, we're not talking about them scheduling Vanderbilt, right? They scheduled LSU and Florida, and I know Florida wasn't that great. And Florida is a rivalry game that they play every year, but it's still impressive. You, you still got to play them, and you beat them in their house. So look, it's it, it to me, it's just not this wasn't complicated at all, and they did what was best for the ratings. And honestly, I, I'll be the, I will also admit this. I will also admit this publicly. I think Alabama and Michigan is a far more compelling matchup than Florida State and Michigan, right? Because, you know, Michigan would have a huge advantage over Florida State not having their quarterback. But I'm not in the business of giving you who's the most compelling, right? That's just not that's just not what it's just not what I'm here to do, right? The you know what's really compelling and exciting? The Kings and the Warriors, all right. I wish every NBA game was played like the Kings and Warriors game, but but it comes down to who's the best. Okay, let's go to Semper, who's been very generous uh, to us lately. He's a big Mason Smith uh, fan. 
Uh, he always supports uh, – in particular, he's a big supporter of Lafayette athletes. Um, FSU 1,000% got screwed. Also, Firehouse now. That's true. <laughs> huh? 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 We're getting closer to the hundo. Let's see. We are 45 U.S. dollars away from giving out a Terrence Tolliver autograph card. A TT80, baby. Okay. Let's go to Marcus. He says, if that would have been LSU, you would want them in, right? So I'm guessing, Marcus, you're asking me, if LSU was in Alabama shoes, I would want LSU over Florida State. Because obviously, LSU lost to Florida State. So there you go. I would still tell you that Florida State deserves to be in. Okay. And honestly, we're in a somewhat similar position last year. I kind of went back and forth on this. Did LSU, because we were in this spot last year, where two loss LSU was in a position to run the table to get a spot in the playoff? Could they have gotten that spot in the playoff over one loss Tennessee, who beat us, dominated us on our field? And I was open to Tennessee getting in over us. Now, I would have hated it. But, you know, that's obviously a, a different discussion. It didn't happen. But I, I would tell you, yeah, Florida State deserves to be in, even if it is my, my favorite team. Now, once again, because I'm biased, I would I, I'm, I would be biased towards LSU. I personally would want them to be in, but it it could it could be anyone. Florida State deserved to get in. Exactly then TCU shouldn't have been in the field at all last year if it's down to four best teams. I'm telling you right now, you would be shocked what the smartest, most well-respected computer rankings have as their four best teams. Three of the four most respected computer rankings had Penn State and Ohio State in their top four in terms of not what they had done, but in terms of their power rankings when it comes to Offensive and defensive efficiency and all those things. They would have had Ohio State and Penn State in their top four. So it's a slippery slope when you start saying, well, who are the best teams? Well, what are we determining who the best teams are? Right? Is it just eye test? It, it gets crazy. It gets crazy. Yeah, and nothing doesn't matter. They were the four best teams. The four Georgia is one of the four best teams, and they probably will be one of the four best teams forever. <laughs> they they're so well coached, they're so freaking talented. They they should be the, the the four best teams forever.
especially next year. They're going to be good next year. Hot take. I will say this, you know, we talk so much about Jaden winning the Heisman. Okay. I think he'll win it. But Malik Neighbors in the Bolitnikoff is coming up in a few days as well. <sighs> That might be a bigger travesty, if we're being honest. Like, Malik, I don't know. I don't know. Because Liberty, that's a different... I mean, they didn't play a Power 5 schedule. Like... A completely different thing. Did my eyes watch Florida State in the past couple weeks? Yeah, uh, they did. And my eyes also watched Alabama with a less than 1% win probability, barely beat Auburn, who got beat by New Mexico State the week before. My eyes also have seen Michigan with middle-of-the-road quarterback play, um, barely... I mean, not look that great. I mean, they've beaten a lot of teams, but you know, what does their schedule look like? So, you know, would I have those two teams favored over Florida State? I would, but we're acting like Florida State just looked god awful, and we're acting like Alabama and Michigan. We're, we're just unfreaking believably dominant. Okay. Power five is a joke. It's power two at best. The other three are trash. Well, then TLV, that, that's part of the problem though, right? You're making college football very regional. If you're saying that everything else is, 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 is trash and you know, if that's the case, then, then Clemson's not a good program. Then USC's not a good program. Well, they haven't been, but, you know, it's like saying Washington, what they did didn't matter. You know, it's we, – we shouldn't it, – it's okay to not have the SEC in the playoff for one year. It's fine. Now, they were going to be in the playoff for, for forever. We're going to have at least – two teams in the playoff every year as, as a Southeastern Conference. Um, uh, so, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, JJ, I, I do have a bad feeling about Malik. I think he's I think he's going to get screwed horribly. Uh which sucks. Uh but you know, part of it though is like I understand like it is a little concerning that Marvin Harrison is a Heisman finalist, but you really gotta think about how the Heisman voting works. Um like it's very regional. So the best player in the northern states, according to the Heisman voters, was Malik Neighbors. I mean, excuse me, Marvin Harrison Jr. The other two finalists were West Coast guys, and the other guy was a southeastern guy who's from the West Coast. So Marvin Harrison had the total northern vote, where Malik Neighbors would have to split votes with Jaden Daniels. Now, when it comes to the Blitnikoff, there is no splitting of votes unless there are some voters who split up Malik and Brian Thomas Jr.'s votes, which is probably not going to be the case. I think most voters know to do the right thing, and, and Malik should should get the first place vote over BTJ. BTJ had a great season. Um, so, yeah, you know, that does concern me some, but when you really think about how the voting works, it shouldn't concern you too, too, too much. Okay. Exactly. If Jalen Milrow got hurt in the SEC championship game, his backup quarterback has committed to Notre Dame to play lacrosse. Uh, do, do you want a, a quarterback who's, who's given up on football to be a lacrosse player, to, to be in the playoff? Yeah, that's true, LD. That's a good point. You know, Malik Malik is in a good spot. He's going to be generationally wealthy here in a few months. But he has specifically stated how important the Blitnikoff is to him and how important, you know, records and that, like, like LSU legacy, all that stuff. And I guess we chills, you know. It's not like he really cares about being an LSU Tiger and really cares about being the best college football player he could be. So, yeah, he's like JJ points out. He's he's going to be fine, but man, saying Liberty is not in the same category is the same logic as saying the Huskies and FSU aren't in the same category. It, but that's not true, though. It's not true at all. Liberty is not a Power Five team. The recruiting rankings aren't even close to being the same, right? The schedules aren't even close to being the same, right? Florida State played some teams that Alabama played this year, right? And Florida State also played other good recruiters in their own conference. Now, is the ACC as good as the SEC? No, they're not even close. But they are closer than what Liberty is to Alabama or what Liberty is to Florida State. Um. Liberty plays, what, maybe two or three Power 5 teams a year? Florida State plays nine. Uh, it's, it's, it's crazy. Florida State went undefeated. And it should count for something.
once again, Alabama played USF, all right? A school that recruits better than Liberty. They barely beat them. They, they, they barely beat them. So it's, it's not the same logic because a power five team and the schedule you have to play is completely different than if you are a group of five team. Okay. So Liberty schedule. All right. Okay. So I'll pull up Liberty schedule here. And by the way, Liberty wasn't even the highest ranked group of five team in, in terms of the, the experts. They, they had SMU ranked higher. So this is who uh, Liberty played this year. Okay. Bowling Green, New Mexico State, Buffalo, FIU, Sam Houston, who didn't win a game this year. They barely beat them, by the way. Um, at Jacksonville, Middle Tennessee, who they barely beat. At Western Kentucky, Louisiana Tech, who's had an unbelievable program downturn. Old Dominion, UMass, at UTEP, and New Mexico State. So, unlike the year before, where they went to Arkansas and actually beat Arkansas, Liberty did not play a single Power 5 team this year. Okay? So, you then compare that to... Florida State, okay, and Florida State beat down the Heisen Trophy winner, okay, went to Clemson on the back end of a back-to-back road game, beat them, beat Duke, beat Miami, who beat an SEC team pretty badly, went to Florida, and obviously won the conference championship game. So once again, the schedule isn't a murderer's row. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you about that. But it's still a Power 5 schedule where they went undefeated and took care of business. And versus their two SEC teams, they won both of those games by two possessions or more. Okay? And, J.J., they're trying to. They they openly try to before the season. Okay? I, I am counting strength of schedule, but I'm also counting something called strength of record. Okay. Liberty strength of schedule is nowhere close to Florida State strength of schedule. Okay. Florida State strength of schedule is in the 50s. Alabama's was in the top 10. But there is a metric called strength of record. Okay. Which is an analytic that matches how difficult an average top 25 team would do on your schedule. Okay, Alabama's strength of record was four. Florida State's strength of record was three. Okay, so Florida State went undefeated, and it was really hard for them to go undefeated when you have a strength of record of three as an undefeated team. Okay, let's go to Jay Thornton. Welcome to the channel, man. Carter, I'm behind, but I watch every show, though barely live. You've helped me immensely when it comes to breaking down film. I appreciate that, Jay Thorne. 
And I always say, okay, if an actual coach sat here to break down film, it they're they're smarter than me. Okay. I just try and make it as simple as I possibly can. All right. But I really appreciate that. One big thing is how important it is to stay on your feet. That is all. Okay. It's so important to stay on your feet. You can't do anything when you're on the ground. Now, there are instances where you have to dive and make a catch, right? Such as the controversial Isaiah Bond catch versus Georgia. He had to dive to make that catch. Jarvis Landry has had to dive to make a lot of catches that maybe three other human beings on the planet could have made. Some of the catches he made at LSU. But more often than not, stay on your feet. Okay, being on the ground sucks in football. It's a big deal. And honestly, it's a good rule of thumb in all of sports. You don't want to dive when you don't need to. Stay on your feet. Okay. It's honestly a, a bigger thing in, in soccer, if anything. If you leave your feet for a tackle, it's either going to be you making a tackle or you getting a yellow or a red card. Okay. It's it's always a good rule of thumb. Okay. And once again, to Jay Thornton's point, Florida State beat the living daylights out of us. Alabama didn't. Okay. Now, we were a better team during the midway point of the season. But... They still beat the daylights out of us. I mean, that's it's all there is to it, you know. Okay. So I want to I want to show this. Okay. Strength of record. So Liberty's strength of record was actually pretty good. It was 14th. But Florida State had the third best strength of record. Washington, number one. Michigan, number two. Florida State, number three. Alabama, number four. Texas, number five. These are your top five teams. Okay? So, yes, Texas's strength of schedule is way better. Okay? Or Alabama's strength of schedule is way better. Strength of record. I would agree with this, Mike. I don't think anybody would disagree with that. I think Florida State would tell you that. Okay. And this is true, JJ. No one's disagreeing with that. But your losses have to count for something. Alabama lost in their home field to a team that's already in the playoff field by 10 points. And once again... It's not – this is a thing people get wrong about college football all the time. They get it wrong all the time. 
it's not just about the big wins that you have. How did you do in all the other games? Okay. Alabama had some really shaky games. Okay. So the thing is, they were ranked number eight. You've got to do more than just beat Georgia for me to justify you leaping all these other teams that also won. Now, here's what you're going to do. In the next five to ten minutes, I'm going to answer as many questions as we possibly can. But if we super champ, we'll keep it going. And we are so close. We are 40 away from the Terrence Tolliver giveaway. 40 away from giving out an autographed Terrence Tolliver to one of you. Um, one, one of you super-de-duper diehard PHL fans. But Bama played opponents that were 98 and 61, and Florida State played 77 and 79. Big difference. Okay. True. But if you're Florida State, what are you supposed to do? You you did what you needed to do in the non-conference. I mean, it's hard to schedule a team harder than LSU in the non-conference. And on top of that, you 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 play Florida. Okay, what 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 are they supposed to do about that? Are we just supposed to act like they 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 don't count? Then why do we even consider the ACC a Power Five conference if that's the case? Okay. Okay. So you know, I I've I I feel I feel weird because. Like, I, I know more Bama fans than I know Florida State fans. But I I just think that I just think that they were shafted. I really, really, really do. do you if let, let me ask you this for those that are defending the uh the, the, the Alabama thing, okay. Would you feel the same way? Because I've not even brought this up. In, since I've been talking about the Florida State thing, okay? Do you know the ones that are defending Alabama right now? The only reason Alabama is in the playoff is because Florida State's quarterback got hurt. Okay? That is it. That is the only reason. There is no other reason why Alabama got in. Do you still feel if Jordan Travis was healthy that Alabama should have gotten in over Florida State? And I'm asking this to TLV. I'm asking this to JJ. I'm, I'm asking this to everyone else. Because I would feel more strongly about Alabama jumping them if they were more impressive in all the other games. Okay. It's 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 different when Alabama, like, look, Florida State, every game that they played, 
but that but that's this is but this isn't a, a hypothetical though right this is just a truth the committee told you this the 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 ESPN analyst told you this the main reason Florida State isn't in the field is because of one person's injury this is not a hypothetical this is um He wasn't there for all the games, though. He wasn't there. He wasn't there for the final two. That's why they're penalizing him, right? That's the only reason Florida State's not in, or is it? Because if you actually go listen to Kirk Herbstreit a few weeks ago before the Jordan Travis injury, he was already saying, hey, I, I think Alabama should jump Florida State. Okay. I agree with Jared. I think they would have jumped them anyway. I think that's a I think that's a sorry excuse, which which makes it even worse. But to Todd, that, that's what I'm saying, Todd. I I am I still think Alabama. I still think they would have leaped Florida State, even though Jordan Travis was there. Okay. And it sucks. It really really sucks because the thing is, is Texas also leaped them. And Alabama winning was the best thing for Texas. Alabama winning uh, is the best thing of, of, of Texas. So, so TLV's point is the other conferences should automatically not be ranked as head as, as the SEC champion. And that's fine if you feel that way. It's fine. I'm guessing that's, that's, that's what you're saying. Okay. But I, I go back to the to, 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 to this and I appreciate you, JJ. If Alabama had been unquestionably, undeniably like Tim Tebow after the old miss loss level dominant. Okay. After the Texas game, I would probably be agreeing with you. The issue is people use this eye test argument, and it doesn't hold up. It doesn't hold up. You can go look at the Auburn game for yourself. Alabama was outplayed, okay? Alabama barely got beat, uh, almost got beat by 4-8 and eight Arkansas, okay? These, are, these were not good football teams. All right. They they barely got past USF. I don't care who the quarterback is for Alabama. You should not barely beat USF. Okay. If if I if you're jumping five spots, um you, you I, I need something unequivocally true for me to see that you deserve to have that leap. Let's go to Tyler. Where is the consistency in the rankings? According to the committee, FSU is worse than Bama, but better than Georgia and o- Ohio State. That's also an, an, another issue, okay? Exactly, AP, exactly. Why... Georgia should still be the number one team because they would be favored over everybody. Georgia 
Georgia. Yeah. Georgia should Georgia should be Georgia should be in the field of four if we're going by who the best teams are. Right? Because Georgia, Georgia would be favored over Texas. Pierce, thank you so much. I appreciate it. We're getting closer. I, I, we are 35 away. Okay. So let's, let's go to TLV's point here. We'll never know that because FSU didn't play Auburn in their house. But that's the point. Okay. That's the point. Because I could come back to you and say, well, you know, Alabama didn't have to go play Clemson in their house. Clemson's a very difficult place to play, right? So what happens is you get in these hypotheticals, right? Well, so-and-so wasn't in this situation, and so-and-so didn't have Texas come to their house with a very good Texas roster, with the coach being the protege of, of, of the guy he was going up against. But that's why we have these full seasons, right? So there you go. Let's go to Jay Madison. It makes a good point. See, y'all are y'all y'all keep trying to play it off like the QB is equal importance as a rest of the team. FSU ain't undefeated uh without Travis. Okay. Let's chat about this. And TLV gets us to the hundo. Look at that. I knew a good Florida State debate would get us there. So we got to give out a Terrence Tolliver autograph. Who deserves a TT80? I'm trying to think who deserves it. Oh, okay. I normally like to do this um, for people who haven't won anything. Okay. For people who haven't won anything, okay? And you know who's never won anything for me? That is none other than J.J. Pierce. Congratulations, J.J. Me dominating your arguments. <laughs> huh? Huh? Now, y'all are making some good points, okay? And by the way, Alabama getting in benefits me, benefits my SEC channel, gives me more content, right? Okay. So let's talk about the QB situation. It's a good it's a good point. All right. I keep trying to play it off like the QB is equal importance as the rest of the team. FSU ain't undefeated without Travis. Okay. Good point. Really, really good point. Okay. Where the opposite is true. Okay. Let's do the hypothetical here. Would Florida State have gone undefeated without Jordan Travis? No. LSU probably beats them without Jordan Travis. But notice the word probably is doing a lot of heavy lifting because probably can be used for any type of quarterback situation. Let's bring back the USF game, okay? Now, how many of you watched the Alabama versus USF game, okay, where Jalen Milrow didn't play? They benched him. Their backup quarterbacks were terrible. Once again, Alabama's number one backup quarterback just went into the transfer portal for lacrosse, okay? That's not a joke. That is exactly what happened. 
okay? They tried not one, but two backup quarterbacks, and they barely beat USF. Barely, okay? So let me ask you the same question. Would Tyler Buckner have been able to keep up with Jaden Daniels and Brian Denny Stadium? Hell no, okay? So the inverse of this is also true. If Jalen Milrow isn't the quarterback, what is Alabama's record? They're probably eight and four or somewhere around there. Nine and three, eight and four. Nick's a great coach. Probably finds a way to win it. So what Florida State did as a team is even more impressive than what other teams did as a team. They proved that they can beat reasonably good competition with bad quarterback play or middle-of-the-road quarterback play. They went to Florida, a Florida team that needed to win the game to go bowling, and they beat them. They played Louisville and with absolutely atrocious quarterback play, beat Louisville. Okay, Now, Florida and Louisville aren't unbelievable, but that shows me that they are a real team. And if you actually watch those games, their defensive line was so freaking good. Honestly, their defensive line versus Louisville looked like 2003 LSU. I'm serious. Their defensive line was so good. Folks, if you have a great defensive line and you can get home with four, you can beat anybody. And what I would say to that is Michigan's quarterback play has not been elite. So this idea that Florida State would have been waxed by Michigan, I would have picked Michigan to win the game. But I'm not sure. I am not sure because Michigan's not really played a whole hell of a lot. Cal McCord is not a good quarterback for Ohio State. He missed so many throws in that game. And I think Florida State's defense is better than Ohio State's defense. Um, I, I I understand that argument, but it, it falls apart with um, – what's up? What's up, Forbes? Good to see you. Um, it falls apart when when you start to, 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 to do well – if Jordan Travis wasn't there, well, if Jalen Milrow wasn't there, hell, what would our record be without Jaden freaking Daniels? I don't know. <laughs> it's it's kind of scary to think about. And this was also true for Mike. You know, the BCS actually had Alabama three, FSU four, Texas five. Thank goodness we don't have the BCS anymore. So, J.J. Pierce, I need you to hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at PowerHourLSU. And I'll get the Terrence Tolliver card out to you ASAP. And I'm going to get a Jalen Milrow autograph for uh, TOV. <laughs> Joking. I understand you're just making uh, the argument because you, you truly do believe Bama should have been in. Yeah, Ohio State got him when 12-gauge ran. Cardell Jones. Now, I think he's a grad transfer, so it wouldn't have mattered either way. I think, you know, him tra- – I don't know. I, I read on it briefly. Something about uh, him transferring as a lacrosse player allows him to circumnavigate some, like, transfer rules. I, I don't know what all went into it, but – 
Yeah. Oh, LD88's got a Christmas gift for me? I don't know. That's scary. Yeah, let me know, LD88. Shoot me an email and I'll send you my address. Next thing you know, LD88 is going to show up. <laughs> huh? 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 Um, but yeah, JJ Pierce, please shoot me an email and I'm going to send you the Terrence Oliver card. Um, I still have Sharonda's card. She never sent me um, an email for her uh, Zach Mettenberger card here. But yeah, it was a little bit different. I mean, if Tate Rodemaker or whoever brought Glenn for Florida State, if they would have gone 55 to zero, then they probably would have gotten in. So TLV, what would your top four have been? What would your top four have been? We'll take a few more here. Oh, is this you, JJ? Oh, man. Uh, yeah, Ty, I just, I just use the TV camera angles. Sometimes, you know, if I go to the games, I'll film them myself. Westbrooks, what's up? JJ, I've never even heard of that town. That's crazy. JSB. Oh, okay. I, that's 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 interesting. That's cool, man. Shout out North Louisiana. Iowa? It's not Iowa, it's Iowa. 
Dang, TLV is just not a believer in the Huskies. I I think Washington, I think Michigan, Washington, Florida State were certain. But Pegasus says put UGA in over them. That's bold. For me, it it should have been Michigan, Washington, Florida State, and Texas. Uh, Michigan, Texas as a semifinal one. Washington, Florida State as a semifinal. Um, I I like that uh, the people that were debating for Bama, especially JJ and TOV, are very civil. Not everyone I've debated on this has been civil. I got in a big debate about this yesterday with uh, Blake. He was very civil. But then again, Blake and I are friends. I talked to him for an hour today. Um, <laughs> Michigan, LSU, Missouri, Washington. That's an interesting Yeah, IOA, exactly. I learned that the hard way. IOA, Louisiana. What's so weird? All right, guys. It's been a fun one. This will be on all your podcast platforms. Don't forget, tomorrow night we'll be live at 6 p.m. Central. Hopefully with some new portal news. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Eh! Oh, I didn't do this. Shout out to our top super chatters for the evening. Jared, Drew, The Master Blaster, Danny, D. Really, Carvis, TJ from Louisiana Controls, Danny Girl again, J-Red, Simper, JJ. TOV is our top super chatter of the evening. And JJ again, always fun. Always fun. AP, appreciate you, man. It is. Power. Power. LSU. Boom. And tonight, we are doing, we're doing cheeseburger, cheeseburger, Pepsi, cheeps. Let's go. Let's go.